Cyberbots Radio presents The Cyberpunk Lorecast. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where style is just as important as substance. Welcome to the podcast where we explore the lore, news, and gameplay of the Cyberpunk games and other dystopian worlds. I'm your host, Robot. All right, cyberpunks, welcome back to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, as always, or Robots, you can call me Robots, and we have a very special episode this week because the Night City Wire episode two came out yesterday, actually, which is when I normally record my podcast, but I wanted to make sure to get enough time to look into this and to bring in my my dear friend and cyberpolk cyber cyberpolk is that a new thing cyberpolka cyberpolk consultant <laughs> uh, i'm poking over Logan. here again you're poking the cy- i hope there is a cyberpolka in the game i hope you come across people doing a cyberpolka that would be awesome that would be uh, great. logan how's it going i'm doing awesome thanks for having me on <laughs> <laughs> i love i love when you when i or anybody messes up saying something or typos something because it always turns into something else and then you yeah. can riff on it um <laughs> yeah so so we got night city wire number two out yesterday an entire 25 to almost 26 minutes worth of new content new stuff about the different uh, life paths and then a bunch of stuff on weapons and a little bit on rock and roll so we've got a bunch to dig into and some other little hidden secrets i've at least i've noticed i know you've probably picked up on some stuff too maybe maybe not i'm, I'm curious now maybe? you you perked my interest i want to know what you found that i may not <laughs> have found so i'm, I'm ready to <laughs> yeah. dive in all right well let's dive in you want to start with um the life uh paths yeah, so that was really cool. Like you've been you've been asking a lot of people about what life path they want to go down and it's it's yeah. been I've been swaying constantly and I I still feel like I'm not quite 100% where I want to begin. I feel like I just need to get my hands on the game and actually be forced to make this decision because it keeps changing every time we talk. Um Yeah, I feel like they've done a lot in this recent video to really section them off and explain how they feel different. Yes, yeah, and I'm glad they did too because it it really has kind of helped work out how I'm going to feel from the get-go as far as like where my place in night city is going to be and uh i i I remember when we talked last uh i was thinking about just going straight street kid that has rapidly Mm -hmm. changed and uh between street kid nomad and corpo i think i want to take corpo now which seemed it seemed really? crazy to me when I, when we were talking yeah. last time. It was like, why would I want to do that? It's like, well, Corpo just sounds like it would be more of that kind of Blade Runner esque style where I'm in the system, I'm not happy with the system, but I totally understand like where my place is, and if I want to, if I want to be better, if I want to be more, I'm going to have to make some big decisions. And the corporation is pushing me in a way that I need to realize, like, am, am I pushing myself into a place where I'm going to be the next one on the list for the next guy that comes in to the, to the corporation. So, right. Right. I was looking you know at what I like about, 
about the corpo side of this because I, I'm I'm feeling a little bit more positive towards it too now. Mm-hmm. What I like particularly is this idea that like okay, if you're a street kid and the corporations are squashing down on you, then yeah, it's personal to you, but there's some unknown face. Mm-hmm. There's just people behind the scenes it's the corporation it's not the individuals if you're if you start as a corpo then you are behind the scenes and those jackasses as they you know clearly the people behind the scenes are terrible humans yeah. who are doing terrible things in order to get one over on their co-workers in, in order to fight up the ladder and this kind of thing like it feels so much more satisfying to get one over on them knowing that they're just total asshats <laughs> yeah does that make sense it really does yeah these guys have been been backstabbing each other for years it's all about you know in the video there there's clearly other corpos that are in there that are just like look if i'm gonna go down you're going down with me and there's nothing you can oh, yeah. do about it and i'm like you know that that sounds very corporate like <laughs> it yeah, doesn't yeah. sound I've like worked for i've worked for like billion dollar corporations and it, it's it's amazing how much uh, I mean, everyone is all friendly. Everybody's always nice. Oh, you know, like there's the, the face of it. But like underneath it, all the decisions get made for profit. And, you know, and I was I was the, you know, let go because of in fact, I talked to a friend I used to work with. Turns out there was a guy who stayed with that company that let me go um, and had worked for that company in the, in the previous company because they went through a merger for 18 years. He moved homes he changed states to live in in order to go the new direction of the company and then because of the stuff going on right now furloughed just sorry Man. we don't need your position anymore yeah and you know and we're, it was a it was like upper management had been in the company for 18 years yeah you know? like good dude does good work it's like that's just the nature of the, the corporation the corporation is there for the survival of the corporation not for the people who work for the corporation so i i put some uh live I put some notes down on this and I, I want to read them out for people because at the time that I was watching this, this was like my my gut reaction to the corpo and why I want to why I would want to start as a corporation because I would be on the inside. It would give me some interesting tracks and some dialogue and stuff. But I put down that uh, you're a cog in a big machine with lots of moving parts. Your role isn't totally clear because what you do isn't totally legal. With references to killing people with the backdrop of corporate backstabbing and insider deals with other companies, you find yourself in a situation that might put you on the wrong side of the gun soon. You find Uh yourself wondering if you're going to stay stuck in the corporate rat race only to realize you're just another hamster in a wheel generating power for those on top. Or do you cut the umbilical cord and find yourself making your own rules? I yeah, kind, I, I like kind that. of like that. <laughs> I like the idea of that. So that was just one of the three, though. We also had a much deeper dive into the nomads, which I was kind of excited about because that was yeah. it's more the Mad Max. And I, I'm, oh, man, I, I don't know if you know me well right. enough yet, but I'm all about that Mad Max. <laughs> That is like my <laughs> that Mad Max life. I love I it. Be the guy uh, playing guitar on top of the the big truck with the you know like twelve full stack amplifiers behind him. The fire shooting. I think we that guy. 
I think we did talk about this actually last time. Yeah, I think bit, yeah. we did because I think we <laughs> came to the, the same conclusion. Uh, <laughs> too, that's good stuff. It's coming for we're, at least we're true to ourselves. We're, <laughs> so we, we but we did get a, a really deep dive into the nomads and I actually like it because uh, they talked about a lot of different things, uh, namely your kind of situation that you're in while you're a nomad. And I love this idea that the, the nomads are, are pretty much living free um, there. It's a it's very farm like uh, of a lifestyle. You're 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 they're talking about, you know, driving around in the hills in a buggy and uh, having, you know, like a, a your first kiss in the synth corn way or corn fields. And <laughs> right. And I'm just, and I, and they've got campfires and everybody's sitting around the campfire playing music. And I'm like, man, that is, that is a very, very kind of relaxed lifestyle. You got a role, you, you, you do your part to support your family, but you're a close tough, but you have a place. Yeah. 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 And I, and I love the idea that with the nomads, um, they talked about being uh, part of a family, but you choose that family. You choose who gets to stay with you. And it's kind of like a zombie family, you know, or like a, a family in a zombie where as you're you know, like with Walking Dead, as they're kind of moving from place to place, they find people and then they have to decide, you know, do they trust this person? Can they trust this person? Do they bring them along? Do you share your supplies with them? And that feels very nomadic. Like you don't have, you don't always have a, a plent, plentiful amount of resources to be able to trust everyone or know what their intentions are. And because of that, you really have to, to judge someone uh, before you let them into the fold. Right, right. From, of all the... Um of all the life paths, all the origin kind of stuff, this one to me feels the most, although it's crazy, you're out in the, you know, wild wastelands of, you know, the badlands and, and you're just scrapping by with your family. At yeah. least you have that support structure around you. It's the one that feels the most, um, in some ways secure and actually like reality for a lot of people now, as opposed to like, you're not starting at, a completely dark place if that makes sense yeah but that's actually where things get interesting because soon you realize as you're starting up as a nomad in the game that something has happened to your family because even though you're within a a larger community your family i mean we're talking maybe 10 12 buildings for the entire community so it can't be that big but if yeah. you're if you're uh looking at what came with this video v talks about how his family is in pieces and now he has to find a way into night city and the thing that i love about this is because uh he makes a comment and i had to think about this for a while he comments about being an outcast among outcasts and right. it's it's crazy to think what do you do when the people that are the outcasts, the outliers, the people that aren't aren't wanting to live within Night City because of how Night City treats them. What do you do when even they don't want you? Where do you go? You know, what's your last resort? And his right. V's last resort is to have to go back to Night City, kind of work his way back into the system. And that's such a, an, an interesting prospect. Like, how do you how do you get out of uh, the, the Yakuza once you're or how do you get back in once you're out? You know, it's it's kind of <laughs> right. There's there's no like knocking on the door and being like, hey, I forgot my toothbrush. Can you guys let me back in? 
So, <laughs> hey guys, uh, <laughs> no hard feelings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm, yeah. Super That's curious about that, but yeah, I love the idea of of being a Badlands. It's much more country western. It's much more Mad Max, and you're gonna really have to decide like how you how you deal with stuff because on one side you're free. But on the other, the corporations are constantly trying to take what's yours, whether it's resources, land, people, it doesn't matter. They're they're going to come out there and try to, quote unquote, legally take anything they possibly can from you. And that can that can push people in in a way that forces them to react uh, negatively <laughs> in, to, to yeah. put it kindly. Yeah. Right, right. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's being like the scrappy rebels in a way like the corporations like the empire <laughs> and here you are pretty out on your out on the outer rim just trying to like get by and chances are that you're not going to survive forever but at least you have something now and you're yeah. going to fight for it yeah very much so and then you've got the uh the street kid which feels like the most fleshed out for what we've seen so far i i do believe that all of these are are equally uh, uh, on par as far as development time goes, but the street kid always kind of feels like it's the quote unquote start for a cyberpunk game. And we've been right. seeing, yeah, this is the most traditional life path. It seems. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's what I was hoping, hoping to get out. Um, so one of the things that I did learn about this helped kind of understand what we're going to be doing in actual game. So as a street kid, you grow up in Haywood, which is one of six district or excuse me, six districts in night city. And the, the Haywood district is home to the Valentinos and the sixth street gangs, which, uh, I'm pulling from the RPG, uh, from that. And, one one of the first people you see in that video is uh, a gentleman by the name of Padre, which I assumed Padre. was yeah, it's Padre. Everyone knows Padre. It's Padre, everybody likes Padre. Everybody loves Padre, but it definitely gives you the the idea that it's a a much heavier uh, religious background, um, especially Latin. There's a lot of uh, Mexican influence in there, which was cool to see. Uh, even just yeah. with some of the augmentations, I noticed uh, one of the guys that you get a, a good close up on. He's got a his right arm has some augmentation, but he's got some gold plating. And on the gold plating, there's even a, a, a crucifix on there. And he's got right. some some awesome tattoos uh, to, to kind of help reflect that. But Padre uh, is a fixer. And he hands you his business card while you get into the car. And his business card says Father Sebastian. So I'm curious uh, why, you know, if, if Padre is kind of his his fixer name, but everyone. Yeah, Padre, doesn't that mean father? Yeah. Yeah. He is kind right, of so, a, a godfather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or maybe he's the priest, you know, but a father so and so like he's. Yeah. Like that. Maybe that's his role is that he's like he's a fixer, but he also runs a congregation. Yep. Or something like that. Exactly. So I'm thinking he's kind of two faced on this in this instance where he has people that come to him with problems through the church. But because of people coming to him with problems, he can then fix them as a fixer. And that's kind of where some things have to get a little dirtier that maybe couldn't couldn't be done through the church. Very, uh, very Paladin-esque in in (laughs) the Crusades kind of way. 
Um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if maybe that's like his. Like he's got like a day persona where he's like the kindly priest, and yep. at night he's the fixer. And, yeah, and then he get, comes back the next day, and the, you know the poor family shows up and, and is like, you know, like did you. You know, uh, we've we prayed all night about uh, the people who took my boy, and he showed up this morning. And Padre's like, "God works in mysterious ways." <laughs> you know? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I would love yeah. that. I really would. And so yeah. one one of the things that I I was thinking about as we were kind of talking about the or as I was watching the video, they talked about how Padre is one of the fixers for Haywood, and uh, we've already met Dexter Deshawn, who's another fixer, and it kind of it clicked, and I was like, oh the fixers are going to be our quest hubs for each of the different districts. And we'll probably have six districts, including not including the badlands. So anytime you move to a new district, you're going to eventually run into one of the fixers there because they're the ones that are going to have the quests for you. And they're they'll right. th- you'll be right. getting all your gold and resource or gold money. You'll be getting your money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Sea of thieves is bleeding in. Uh <laughs> I just always think about everything in gold, golden doubloons. Yeah, I was thinking Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah, oh, nice. Way, yeah. It's all, it's all gold. Yeah. So that's a, that's a cool insight, though. The, the idea that that's those are you're going to be your quest hubs. Yeah. Yeah. Because I kept wondering, I was like, well, how do you find quests? You know, I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima and it's a much more uh, native or natural kind of organic way of getting quests for side mm-hmm. stuff. And you just kind of run up to people and you help them and then they tell you about a thing and then they're like, oh, that turns into a quest and you have different people yeah. with very specific quests. And I'm like, that's a really, that's a nice way. You know, I was just coming over to coming over to save you. And it turns out that you actually have a quest for me and it was all on purpose and I just didn't know it. So I feel like the right. fixers are going to be very similar. You're going to run into the fixer the fixer is going to set you up with the with what's going on in their district and then from there you'll branch out to other quests that you run into organically with people that you interact with while you're going on a bigger arc uh, of a quest line yeah that's a really really cool insight i also after seeing both of the fixers from the perspective of sitting in the back seat of a car I, I thought to myself, this is a scene they're going to reuse over and over and over again, or at least the setting of yeah. the scene. You know, like you open up the <laughs> car, you slide in, there's some shady figures standing around you with guns or whatever. There's the dude sitting across from you who, you know, tells you what he needs and hands you something, and then you're dropped off somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Might happen a lot. Yeah, if you're going to be sharing a lot of Ubers, a lot of Ubers in uh in in Night City. Um, some of the stuff that right. I, I, the Uber drivers are, are the real people moving things around. <laughs> <laughs> oh they're, man. They're the real force behind everything. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the ones that get things done and the fixers are just using them. They just got to, you're a little late for your meeting. No, the Uber, Uber guy's late. It's not me. Right. So. <laughs> I was really excited about this. Um, some of the stuff that I noticed that was a little bit different from uh, some of the wiki was, uh, for example, we got to see a little bit more of the afterlife, uh, which in the in the RPG sounds like it's a lot more of a cross between a Western country bar and a motorcycle guild hall, which invokes very specific imagery to me. In this, it looks like it's a lot more of a uh, converted mortuary is what was some of the the uh, 
verbiage used on the wiki, but it looks a lot more like a club to me. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to see like how things differ from the, the main line RPG series and, uh, what's going on in night city nowadays, right. since there's been right. such a well, big time difference. Yeah. The, and basically night city was, uh, destroyed and rebuilt. Mm. So between 2020 and, and the nuke going off and then 2077. So in the time of the red, so 45, um, the city is rebuilding. And so if you're playing the, the RPG in that setting, which they haven't fully released yet, uh, then you, you may have different insight into some of these locations or, or maybe that name was carried over to a new location and is now different than the original. So that's really interesting. It, yeah, there could be there could be things that are similar yet different because of the rebuilding of the the city. So very cool. A little, a little. Yeah, there there are going to be differences there, and and I think that leaves some freedom for CD Projekt Red to kind of take things where they want to when it comes to the story they're telling. And um, and I know that they've been back and forth with Artel Sorian about you know the the changes or the direction they want to go and and create and have really in some ways work together to design um, stuff that is happening in 77, how that was influenced during the time of the red and then how that ties back to, to 2020. So th there is a kind of a through line there. It's just kind of been a shared development of that through line. I really do like that. I think it's really cool that they, that were able to have something that's so familiar for people that are fans of the, of the tabletop game, but being able to come into, it's kind of like when, uh, I played World of Warcraft three and or the the RTS is for Warcraft. Warcraft three. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Whoa, wow. I don't know. Sorry. I'm still waking up. Yeah. Warcraft three. Warcraft. And World of Warcraft. Right. Yeah. So when you when you play those, you have your units and those units then were instantly carried over into Warcraft. So there was a, it was a big change to what I'm used to seeing, but everything was very familiar to me. And I'm hoping that that's what fans of the RPG will will come across when they get a chance to jump into 2077. Uh, I, I would love to see people who played both and kind of give a, a, a good take on what the differences are, how they feel, how it changed from what they saw in their mind to what showed up in game. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to see a spectrum of things. You know, some people are going to be the diehards and go, this isn't the cyberpunk that I know. And then some people are going to be like, yeah, no, this really is cool. It's kind of a things have moved on and the world is a little different than I'm used to, but I like it. You know, uh, we'll see probably a whole spectrum. Yeah, definitely. And we did get a little bit of uh, information. So thanks to Phil on the video for actually kind of taking us through what some of the, uh, the, the reasons for wanting to take these lifelines are uh they gave us one example which was actually in one of the previous deep dives that they did where you find out that the maelstrom have stolen one of these flathead machines with little little spidery robots that you use with the visor and uh mm -hmm. you mean it's not just a uh like a screwdriver I mean, it could be a flathead screwdriver or this whole game is about a screwdriver. <laughs> now, is it the drink or is it the actual tool? Because if it's just drinks, the then tool. what if it's like what if that's the MacGuffin for the whole thing is? Oh, my gosh, their screwdriver. It's and at the end. You're like, wait, this is what you needed. It's like Arasaka's rosebud and, and you're you're tied <laughs> right? to it. Oh, my gosh. Right. 
That would be hilarious. I would if they had the if they had the gall to do that, I would I would totally support them on that because that's just a crazy yeah. enough idea. Yeah, it's like crazy old er, uh, Saburo Arasaka, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit. It's, oh, it's I like, can't wait. That that was my favorite screwdriver. <laughs> that was how I first Let's have it back. I built my empire with that screwdriver. I needed back I my, one, <laughs> one, one screw at a time. I must get it back. Yeah. Oh God, that would be great. So, uh, but yeah, we, so it's they, symbolic. <laughs> anyway, go on. We found out that, um, having a different life path gives you different options with everything that you do. It's the basis, but not the driving force. You can still do whatever you want in the game this just tries to help inform decisions or opportunities that arise and one of the situations that phil brought up was retrieving a flathead machine from the maelstrom game where a corpo when you deal with uh with with the corpos that that run up to you as you kind of are about to get into the maelstrom gang they kind of stop you and pull you aside, kind of uh, basically shove it in your face that if you don't do this, you're going to die. And being a corpo, they actually give you the opportunity to really kind of read between the lines uh, while you're negotiating with them and kind of say like, OK, well, you know, I know we're, I know who you report to. I can smooth things over, but I need some of your supplies to be able to handle this. And being able to, to relate to the corpo might influence how prepared you are going into it, whether it's information, supplies, backup, who knows. The Nomad gives you a lot more information about how the Maelstrom gang actually operates. So being a, a Badlander, you kind of know how things are traded in and out of the city and you kind of, you kind of have a better understanding of how gangs work. So you might be able to understand the underlying pins of, of how to approach the Maelstrom gang from a perspective that you might be cutting off the, the, the line between where the Maelstrom gang is trying to trade this flathead machine to another group uh, for the buyers. And you might be able to sneak it out without them even knowing. And it's, it's just depends on how, how you play it out. If you're a street kid, you might have zero experience with the corpos, get completely intimidated, go in there totally unaware of how you're going to approach the situation. But as soon as you get in there, you start to notice that some of the Maelstrom gang members kind of offer you a, a peace offering in the form of drugs. And because you know how streets work, you kind of look at that and be like, oh, this isn't him just trying to get me high. This is him trying to break the ice. And you can start to kind of work with this member and they might take a liking to you and they might help you out or at least make things a little smoother while trying to negotiate how the heck you're supposed to get this flathead back for the corpos and it's really interesting right. how you can kind of go about that which is kind of why i want to see how things play out with the corpos because i would love to know the the smart guns and and the the tech weapons that they have and see if you can start getting a quicker access to that through that that lifeline so what did you think of yeah. this kind of yeah. going into it well i i like that well <laughs> every time they reveal more about the different 
life paths and classes and whatever it just makes the game seem like i'm going to have to play it 12 times in order to see everything yeah you know like i like i want to know the underlying corporate decisions but i also want to know how maelstrom actually operates and i and then i want to know you know more about like the insight that the street kid has when negotiating like I, <laughs> like i Yes, it's cool that you get a perspective on this, but I also feel like I'm going to miss out on some of the other stuff. And yeah, I'm going to have to play through it again from a different perspective, which is a great problem to have, honestly. <laughs> and if I if I had access to all that information from the beginning, it, would, it wouldn't feel right. You know, like, yeah, how, how would I know what the corporates are thinking and know how Maelstrom operates? That's too much. Like that's that that breaks the immersion. That's like yeah. the narrator telling you everything that's going on. Like, no, you have to be able to find stuff out as you go. Um, there needs to be surprises. So, yeah, it. I, I like it. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> this is going to turn from, I don't know how long the game is, you know, is it a 40-hour RPG, but it's going to turn into a, you know, 1,000-hour RPG. <laughs> totally. That was one thing that I've, I've recently liked about uh, my playthroughs of The Outer Worlds. Um, I've played two very drastically different playthroughs one was very smart one was very dumb and the 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 options that were given to me as a result of those decisions were very very different and changed outcomes a lot more than i expected them to so if that's a taste of of what we're looking at with cyberpunk i can't wait because i can just imagine how how much just your lifeline can impact what your what knowledge you have going into any situation you get into and i can't wait to kind of explore those each and and see what i'm more comfortable with and what i'm not comfortable with and see like you know just how how do you deal with this situation like have you ever been presented drugs and if you have you know how did you deal with that how did you feel during that and if that's something you're familiar with would you like going into a world where you can kind of relate to that with a street kid or if you're not comfortable with that you may want to to take a a corpo route and you would you wouldn't know how to deal with it but you would have a lot more support from the corporation dealing with this situation you might not even run into that situation it's really really interesting i can't wait man yeah yeah so um you were mentioning the corpo corpo and then knowing about the guns and stuff. And we're definitely going to get to the guns in a little bit. Oh, yeah. um, so maybe we should talk about uh, refused and the music stuff first, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up with, with all the weapons because the weapons are, to be honest, the weapons, the stuff that we saw from the weapons has is I'm probably the most excited for as yeah. much as I love the lore and the backgrounds and all the stories and, and the, <laughs> you know, the different you know ways you could start the game like the okay so let's talk about let's talk about the music a little bit what did you think about this like behind the scenes perspective of refused becoming samurai and recording basically as a different band in order to in you know take on the persona of like what would they sound like this is the music they put out I was a little mixed about it, honestly, when when I listen to the music and I just hear the songs released by cyberpunk, I I love it. I absolutely love uh, Refuse doing the samurai band uh, for the, the music that they put in. It sounds awesome. Very, very reminiscent of what I grew up listening to in the 90s. And mm-hmm. watching this video, it, it really it, it kind of made me realize that the band Refused is kind of a fish out of water. 
they're not gamers, they're musicians and they're not actors, they're musicians. So when they're asked to make, yeah, when they're asked to act like a different band for a game, they're like, wait, what? (laughs) I, you need me to do what? And I liked seeing that they, they put a lot of work into the band. Um, I, I, are you familiar with, uh, dog star? Yeah. So it's, um, Keanu Reeves, right? Yeah. So Keanu Reeves band, right. He, he was in a band and I went back and I watched some videos of dog star and I listened to some of their music and I realized he was just a bassist for the band. As far as I can right. find, um, he never actually sang. Cause my first instinct when I saw this was why is refused being Johnny Silverhand? Why isn't Keanu singing for samurai? <laughs> Like it, it right. seems like yeah, there's going to be never known him as a singer. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of my, my initial thought. I was like, well, I know he was in a band, but why wouldn't they have him sing? And then I realized he's not really a singer. He's just a, a, a musician. He just plays bass. So they picked up refused, which is a, a Swedish band in, and uh, they had them kind of go and break some of the norms that they're used to when making music. So things like accents or play styles, um, they really had to try and put themselves in the mindset of this samurai band, which I don't know whose idea it was to choose how samurai sounded like, but refused has made something that regardless of what the initial vision was has really kind of like it it has it has grabbed me it is like got its claws in me i i want more samurai and if refused is is going to do that i can't wait do you think that this was the right decision then do you think that like somebody was a visionary to say I know this is kind of, you know, fish out of water situation for refused, but I can see that they have it in them to pull this off. Yeah, that was, you know, that that thought really kind of crossed my mind because I kept thinking, I'm like, there are plenty of bands in America. If you wanted an American accent for this band, there are plenty of bands that you could pull from that have American accents that you're either pulling it off convincingly or actually have that accent. And I realized like a lot of game development tends to be who you know and it, it, they pulled from where they were familiar and they pulled a, a local band uh to come in to actually do it and part of me thinks you know it would have been great if they didn't have to put these guys through such a frustrating uh, uh, uh ordeal to learn how to be a different band compared to what they're used to doing but i don't know too many people that are familiar with refused. And because of that, it gives the samurai band its own kind of identity, which helps yeah. with that, that immersion within 2077. So yeah, I, I, if, if this had been, you know, 15 years ago, I probably would have been like, well, why aren't you having like Marilyn Manson or someone or disturbed to do samurai? Like there's so many good bands you could pick from that could totally pull it off. But now I'm like, right. I'm kind of okay with them casting an unknown in this role because it's going to lend to the authenticity of the feeling of the band when I go to play it. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not listening to the music and going, Oh, this is so-and-so. Yeah. It's just another album from so-and-so. Yeah. Um, because it, it does, it is an unknown for, at least for us in the U S because the U S audience probably doesn't know refused as much as say the European audience. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, also, the thing that really stood out to me, and this is like a little thing, I so I, I toured in bands. I uh, you know I played music. I play guitar and bass guitar and drums. And um, this is something I did for a while. Uh, actually, tried to get a major record deal, toured with a band, all of that stuff. You know, had had a lawyer, recorded in studios. I've done all that stuff, and watching them in the studio discuss there. There's one little clip where the guitar player is playing he slides up to a single note and then he's um it's like vibrating the note yeah and he's got the vibrato the on next it. him the verb yeah and the guy next to him says no hold the note out a little bit longer and then add some vibrato or add you know and then bend it or or whatever he's yeah like, they're making these nuanced decisions about something like well how would how would this band in this time period of this style play that note you know yeah and that's the kind of nuance that makes that stuff feel real because those are the things that subconsciously you pick up on um they're also the things that may differentiate refuse sound from that of uh samurai you know like a uh, samurai being based in these like 80s 90s um it's almost like hardcore punk kind of thing yeah um is you know there there are certain ways that you played your guitars there are certain ways that you sang your lines or screamed your lines there you know there's certain things that you did on the drums in order to be a band at that time there's certain chord patterns you used and like if if you're not in that you don't know it but clearly they these guys understood that and they were able to at least if that if that little scene holds up and they did that all across the board while creating these songs, then things should sound pretty authentic. Yeah, I, I've been listening to a lot of Refused lately, uh, just trying to get a, a better understanding of what the sound is for them. And I, I can tell the, uh, there is a, a significant difference in my mind, at least. Uh, everyone's going to have a different opinion based on how they grew up with it or what they listen to. But in my mind, there is definitely a very clear distinction between Samurai and Refused, which is why as long as Refused is willing to do it, I would love to take more samurai because that music is what what resonates well with what I grew up with back in the 90s and the, the early 2000s with rock. And now I'm like, cool, awesome. Bring more of that because yeah. that hits yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I can't wait for some more. And I'm glad we got a fourth, fourth track. I, I, I had the, the secret one plus the two that they had. And then now we've got this fourth one. I want 10 more at least. At least in the, I want a full album for 14 sound song album. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it'd be a big album for for a punk band, yeah. but I, I want that. Sure. So, yeah. well, hey, who knows? Maybe we'll get it. And yeah, maybe, you know, if this goes well, I <laughs> I would be surprised if they don't add, you know, expansions or a sequel game or whatever comes out in the future and they don't still use refuse to do music. So Ooh, that'd be know, cool. Like, it's like it's it's like the whole doom thing like you, you, you can't do doom and then doom do doom doom eternal and not have um uh mick gordon also do the soundtrack like it, it yeah you have to, it, that's part of the <laughs> game you know it's like, true yeah it's like trying so. to separate uh uh danny elfman from um from uh 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 oh tim burton it's just not gonna happen yeah 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 the music is part of the thing and and the music um pulls a lot of the emotion into mm. into a setting. Um, this is something I learned from doing uh, a little bit of voice acting work in the past is that when you do 
when you read a line or you let's say let's say you're given a uh you know an advertisement and you do it you do the the reading of the advertisement you know like this is a product that blah 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 and you, you do the thing right as soon as you put the music underneath it all of a sudden it like it it feels alive and yeah it's it's a subconscious thing but the music really inhabits like the emotion and like the soul of the thing um and that's why it's so important so uh, yeah i I hope uh, i haven't had a chance to listen to all the songs yet but i hope that they're all you know equally good and they they feel like they really make this world come alive yeah i i definitely do i'm i'm 100 down for for samurai i uh, i know exactly what you're talking about i've i've had a couple commercials that when i'm in the booth recording and they're like can you can you twist it just to get a get a little more like love into that last bit and i'm like uh, okay uh sure and you know i do another read and then i hear the finished product after it's been all mixed together and i'm like Oh yeah, I'd buy that that cappuccino machine. Heck yeah, that sounds right. awesome. Right. Yeah. So we we had a we had a um one of the bands I was in had a producer who uh in in a homophobic way that wouldn't stand up anymore would tell our singer you know just gay it up a little bit more <laughs> just gay oh, it up. God. It was, <laughs> that was, <laughs> we say it. <laughs> What does that even yeah. mean? <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we, need to, we need a little more gay. <laughs> I think he was trying to say, like, you know, like, be, sweeten it up, you know, yeah. make love to the vocals a little bit. But, like, that was the way he said it. And Such we a weird kind of way. They're like, like, oh, God, okay. That's right. funny. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to get letters about that. Um, I wasn't fine. the producer, guys. That was just the guy we worked with. Um, we just had to so, deal with it. <laughs> yeah, we had to deal with it. Um yeah, so uh, hopefully things are still going to move on with that stuff and all of the songs are going to be good and we're going to get a whole bunch of them and, you know. Well, just, just to just to tease a little bit, they they gave us uh, and, and I'm I'm picking their words very particularly because they're the ones that that had to write them down and then read them. They said, quote unquote, future episodes, which means I was anticipating at least one more. But if we can get multiple, I'm Girl. I'm fine yeah. with that. So future episodes, they might be di- they're going to be diving into radio stations and original score, which I, I can't yeah. wait I'm looking forward to being able to find out like what tracks or what what artists are going to be handpicked for this world that you'll be able to listen to on radio stations as you're kind of driving around or going around the world. Uh, and then, of course, like the original score is amazing. So I'm 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 down for that, whatever that is. But yeah, music's a big part. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out who knew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the music I use on this show is from a band called The Midnight and they are like a synthwave band. Oh, yeah. So and good that's the other end of the spectrum of what i uh, when i visualize cyberpunk like of course there's the you know there's samurai and the the heavier edge of like the you know punk scene kind of thing yeah but then you have like the glam and the glitter side of it you know like the guy with the crazy hairdo standing in front of the neon light you know Mm -hmm. yeah and and I, I want to see some of that, too. And I haven't really seen that yet in there. I don't know if they're going to include it, but there's something about those tones that they use in synthesizers and the kinds of instruments they used in like the early 80s that um, still it, it still has that cyberpunk edge to it because so many of the movies of that time period that were kind of cyberpunk based used those synthesizer tones in their soundtracks. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm hoping we get a little of that too. You know, it makes sense that it doesn't show up in Samurai, but you know, there are definitely different genres that existed during that time period that 
could influence this type of future. I hope so. I, I, I'm a huge synth wave nut. I, I, most of what I listen to is actually dark synth, but I, I de- definitely appreciate synth wave and, and, uh, even like eighties wave, um, some of that stuff that they found or that I found around on YouTube. It seems like YouTube is the best place to try and find that stuff too. I can't been able to find other places, other good resources for it, but you're right. Uh, it was a big thing in the eighties. It was where it kind of was, was realized, especially in Europe and it, transferred over over time and i i'm hoping that with some of the future videos that they do that they're able to kind of really tie in some of that that cyberpunk uh emphasis on cyber aesthetic mm-hmm. to to the actual music i'm i'm hoping that that's a case yeah i want to i want a lot of uh synthesized drum toms like the do 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 yeah that'd be great those. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Those are the best. That's anytime I hear those tones, I'm just like, ah, yes, that's, that's my childhood. <laughs> that's like uh, yeah. during that time period. I know that. Yeah. I know that sound. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move into the middle of the show real quick and take a, take a quick little break. Um, you're, part of the network now so you know that we are sponsored by loot crate and gamefly so awesome stuff um if you if any of you guys are listening and you want to get a hold of a loot crate or subscribe to a series of loot crates with all sorts of cool swag and t-shirts and things to put on your wall all sorts of different kinds of characters video games you know comics movies any of that stuff then check out the link in the show notes make sure you click the link in the show notes so they know we sent you and go to loot crate find what you want and if you want to order it then use the code robots radio r-o-b-o-t-s-r-a-d-i-o to get 15 percent off whatever you order so pretty good deal we got a little bit of a kickback for sending you guys over there and help support the show also if you are looking to rent some games like let's say this comes out in a few months when it comes out and you're not 100 percent ready to purchase it you could sign up for Gamefly, and right now they have a deal where for $10, which is the cost of one month of subscription, so 30 days, free shipping, you can rent whatever game you want, send it back, rent another game for 30 days, do, do all of that. Keep going back and forth, even get movies if you want. You get two months, so the initial amount is actually extended, so it's like you get a free month plus the month you, you pay for. So you can go check that out as well in the link in the show notes, and uh, you know, they'll know we sent you, so make sure you use that link. All right, let's move on to the rest of the show. We've got a bunch of weapons to talk about. We had, um, you know what I did, Logan, Mm. uh, getting ready for this episode? I uh, initially watched uh, Night City Wire on my um, computer screen with my computer speakers. And I've I've got a nice setup here. So, you know, it sounded good. Yeah. Then I put on my headset, my headphones, and I've got really nice headphones. I play games with my headphones a lot. And I watched through the section where they're showing off all the guns and I love sound design in games. And of course they had the music playing in the background too. So you, you didn't only just have the world sounds, but the sounds of like the, you know, like the clicky sounds, the guns make and the different bullets. And then the, the sounds of the world, like, Oh man, that stuff comes alive in headphones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, 
I noticed. Oh, the, I noticed the same thing uh, when V's in his in his safe room and he's he's uh, he's cocking back that pistol. There's a very distinct sound that is unlike most pistols, and it felt more like a, I, I can't even describe the 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 sound that I heard. But when he pulled it back, I actually went back and watched that a couple times because I'm like, wait, where's the chamber on this gun? Because he's pulling it straight down, and the chamber's towards the the tip of the pistol. And hmm. I was just like, that is so strange in the audio that they strange design. Yeah. Yeah. And the audio was really different than anything I've ever heard when, when someone cocks a, uh, uh, an actual pistol, but yeah, I was digging on that. There, the, the sound design, man, the music was amazing. It was getting me pumped. I was like, yes, give me the, yeah. give me the guns, give me the guns. I want them. Right, <laughs> right. And then they show the exploded view. Like the, I think the first one they put up is that sniper rifle. Oh. And then even the sound of, even the little sound sound effects and yeah. I know I'm, I'm, we're talking a lot about sound in this but the gun goes and like yeah like explodes into all the different components <laughs> which is awesome because a gun is made up of or at least modern guns are made of you know components that you can you know take apart and clean and put back together or swap out and it zooms in into like the the site and then it flips between a few different sites and if that's like that's got to be the interface that's in the game right i hope so and you're like i really hope so because that is badass. Like the guns just kind of explode. Everything animates like heck, man. If they took an extra year to just do all of that stuff, then I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> totally. That it's, that's the polish that makes you go, Oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, Oh man, I was digging on that. Every time a new screen would pop up for, for the different type of weapons, I'd like slam the space bar and it'd be like, all right, let's type out all these names. I got to understand <laughs> yeah. what type of guns these are. I want to know, have a list built up. Yeah. So I, I totally dig it. I, I really hope that that's exactly how it feels. I would love if they actually gave us a soundtrack while we're in the menus that changes depending on what menu you're diving, diving into. So if you're oh. if you're checking out video, I would love to have this song play in the background while I'm actually checking out different weapons. I probably wouldn't get sick of that. I would be OK with it. Yeah. Who knows? That would be cool. But yeah, the other thing, but I'd like to go through this list of some of the stuff we saw. But the other thing that I just have to note before we go into this list is the um, the what are they called? The they're they're not like tattoos, the images, the stickers oh, yeah. or the art that's on the guns. Yeah. The, the different skins for the guns. You've got some of the different uh, groups like uh, there was one that had like the moxies on it. And then. Yep. Um, like all the art, like the guns, like they look like physical things that I, I like want in my house. Like they have to make a plastic version of this that I can buy <laughs> somewhere and like have a gun rack up in my room. You know, like that maybe it shoots Nerf. I don't care. Like, yeah, like give me, give me those. I want them. Uh, I I'm totally with you. I actually think that that's integral too. I was, I was noticing some of the, the stickers and, and, uh, decals that they had on, on those guns. And I was like, decals, that's the best word. Yeah. I think, I think those are tied to your, to your street cred. I'm willing to bet. And so here, here, uh, do you mind if I, I kind of tangent away from the, the list real quick and kind of expand on sure. what you're talking about? So I can't yeah. remember where the heck I even put it, but there was a, a point where I realized I was like, I'm willing to bet that things like the scope for the sniper rifle looked very different. Some of them had decals, some of them didn't. They had manufacturers. I'm willing to bet that there are some of these that you can only get from vendors of a certain gang. 
and you have to build mm -hmm. up your street cred with that gang to open up those mods. And that's kind of where this is, is underlying. So like if you want, say like Carnage, one of the power weapon shotguns that's budget arms, that's going to be a pretty, a pretty standard thing. But there may be a reputation for budget arms that you have to build up before you can gain access to uh, a quest line to be able to unlock Carnage. Um, but also there's a sniper rifle and the sniper rifle has a specific scope on it that only the Moxies manufacture because it's it's not a stock scope it's something that they've actually gone in and changed so the only way you're going to gain access to that is if you're in the good graces of the moxie gang and that's just something right. that you have to right. work on that quest line to to build up your cred with them and have some more of their gear on to represent the moxies before you gain access to that so i i think you're spot on with that that with the the notice that you put on the or with noticing that because i think that's totally how we're going to get certain things in the game is through the gangs and mm -hmm. through the manufacturers. Right. And, and they talk about it in the thing about, you know, the different levels of weapons is pretty traditional, you know, all the way from like common to rare to epic to <laughs> And then the idea that like certain legendary weapons or maybe attachments, who knows, can only be gotten from certain places or from certain characters. And of course you, maybe you have to kill them, but maybe you don't want to because of the storyline or, it would make sense, you know, maybe you uh, have to rise to a certain level in a gang in order to get access to that thing or take out the leader of the gang to get it off their corpse. You know, like, yeah, maybe there's different paths and, and, you know, maybe it would be very, very hard to collect all the legendary weapons in the game because you would either have to, you know, uh, do the storyline stuff or kill everybody or whatever in order to do it. Um, I, that makes it feel like those things are part of the world and not just like random drops, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea that everything that you get in this game isn't just from buying it from someone or, or picking it off off a corpse. Like you're going to have to get something from someone and it, it may be because you killed them. It may be because you save them and you won't know unless you actually go through it right. multiple times right. because who knows what unlocks when you, when you do one thing versus another could, could be totally different. Right. So let's uh, let's go through the different weapon types and some of the, the models. Sounds that have good. Been noted here. So we've got um, the tech weapons and the, the impression I get from tech weapons is that these are rail guns. Basically, these are magnetically projectile, you know, projected pieces of metal that come out of, you know, very high power electromagnet type gun. Yep. Is that the impression you got? Totally. Yeah. I, I love the idea that they're basically like, yeah, no combustions, old school. It's cute. We're going with rail guns for everything. And I, I, I right. love it. Everything's a rail gun. Yeah. And everything. And if it's a rail gun, then it is extremely high power. So it's going to punch through concrete or whatever yeah. to get where it needs to go. Yeah. And that was, I think the thing that really it, it, like, I'm, I'm interested in the smart weapons. The power weapons are going to feel pretty normal, but the tech weapons I think are going to be the thing that are going to be my kind of bread and butter. And the thing that they showed off was the tsunami, uh, Negomata, I think is how they pronounced it. And this is one where, um, it's a semi-automatic, uh, chargeable 80 uh, APDS steel ammunition. I have no clue what that is, but it sounds awesome. APDS. Yeah. Um, armored projectile deter. Uh, who knows? Who knows what it means? But basically, current system armored project 
about the turret system because if you have this thing you will put a hole through anything yeah so i'm 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 totally down with this the the they kind of basically said like hey if someone's behind something and you got this weapon they don't actually they're not actually behind something you just have to shoot them and and you're good and i'm i'm i i'm a huge person when it comes to uh like tactical sniping for for situations like if i have to infiltrate something i will try to take out as many people around the perimeter as i can instead of just Mm -hmm. rushing straight in and sniper is like my favorite tool for that when i'm given the time to just kind of sit back and plan my shot and be very patient about it i love that aspect of it so i am i'm very very much down for a, a sniper that can see through walls and actually penetrate through walls at the same time so right uh, right one thing i noticed is um not all of the weapons uh in this were were like what i would consider a traditional railgun like there's a, a a rifle a pistol a sniper and a shotgun and a couple more down the line that we didn't get a chance to see so I'm I'm curious to see like how some of these other ones play out uh, compared to to what your traditional uh, like a quote unquote railgun would would act like. Yeah, and they all have names like um, the DB2 Satara, and I'm I'm assuming here that if it's a Japanese sounding name, it's Arasaka. Yeah, um, something like the M179 uh, Achilles is a rifle, but I'm assuming that that's uh, Militech. Maybe that's what the M stands for. Yeah. Um, until we get a closer look at these and see what the you know what the, how they're actually labeled and what the the pattern is, then we may not know for sure. Um, and, and I know you you have a, a certain amount of time left, so um, let's try to jump through the rest of these. So power weapons are the most like regular weapons, except that the bullets ricochet, so you can kind of hit around corners and kind of bounce off stuff. Um, and there's a few different things they showed us like a shotgun ricocheting off the ground. Yeah, some yeah, other, that was really weird. Some other items. I was surprised yeah. that they actually gave you that that line that looked that showed you the path of the ricochet. Uh, usually you yeah. don't you don't usually get that with most FPSs. But in this instance, it was very clear. They're like, no, yeah, you should know where this is going because you can plan around that. And I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I wonder if that's built into the site. Like that's uh, some sort of like logic. Mm. So this is the trajectory. I can see that there's, you know, something here that's made out of this material. So oh, that'd, that'd be cool. Ricochet in this direction. Yeah, I, I would imagine you could have that kind of technology in a game like this. Yeah, hopefully that'd be awesome. I'm down for that. Yeah. What, what did you think of yeah. Carnage, by the way? Uh, Carnage. That was the Carnage. the budget arms is the manufacturers that pump action four gauge buckshot with the uh, flavor oh, yeah, yeah. flavor text. It's slaughtering time. It's slaughtering. Yes. <laughs> Love yeah. it. I, I hope that. Yeah, I hope that um, like we see in games like Borderlands, there are there is a it seems like there's going to be a lot of different personality between the different manufacturers and the different kinds of weapons you can get. Um, but yes, I like that. It's slaughtering time. <laughs> it's slaughter in. There's no G. Slaughtering yeah. time. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So good. And and then we have smart weapons, which are uh, if you ever played uh, Titanfall, it's kind of like the smart pistol in that where you can kind of lock on a target and the bullets will go towards the target. But this looks like they actually travel more like um, like in Halo. There's that one gun where like the, the needles fly yeah. and then they turn in the air. So it's kind of like that. Um, and of course, you could have variations on that from shotguns to submachine guns and um, uh, snipers and things like that, too. 
I always um, think of uh, Fifth was, Element on that one, like uh, yeah, with yeah. with Zorg and the and the the one gun that that he's selling to to the uh, to the militant group. There's like you know smart fire. You you shoot one bullet and it hits the target, and every following bullet heads right there. And he proceeds to start laying into the entire group, and they're freaking out. But every right. bullet's going right back to the dummy, and like that's that's kind of how I I like these smart weapons and how it kind of tracks. Yep. Yep. That's a really good example. And then the one with the eight barrels, <laughs> they'll take out an entire room. It's just oh my God. Eight barrels. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. So he talked about that. That was the King uh, Tao Zhu, which is a, a shotgun. And because it's named and it doesn't have names similar to the other smart weapons like the DB4 Palika or the TKI-20 mm-hmm. uh, Shingen mm-hmm. submachine gun or, or uh, L69 Zud. Um, it makes me think that that is going to be one of those legendary weapons and hence why it has a name not yeah. like a label yeah, yeah like carnage is a name for the the weapon it's got a personality same thing with the kang tao zhao uh, zhu um it's going to have a personality and it's going to be very unique and in the uniqueness is that it's an eight barrel shotgun that can track opponent or track eight different targets and Right. I, I'm looking right. forward to how those unlock because it's it's really special to have something like that. I would love to see like how some of the uh, melee weapons feed into that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that interesting of note here is that that name, I believe that's Chinese. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just like a specialized name for something from Arasaka. This is probably tied to one of the um, Chinese gangs and might be an item you get from them directly. So there might be more there, too. So I just I just pulled it up um, and it looks like the uh, Kang Tao in the cyberpunk wiki is a uh, Taiwan and it's a manufacturer okay. that that uh, began in the late 2000s and uh, was a country declared independent with the help of Japan and Arasaka. Uh, so it looks ah. it looks like it's a um, it, 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 you're you're 100 percent right in that it's a Shenyang, China in 2077, but it looks like the origins began in Taiwan in 2020. So really, really kind of cool that you're Everything right. Everything has some sort of tie back. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about it and it was like, yeah, that sounds familiar. I wonder it's so specific. I wondered if it was actually part of, uh, part of the, the lore to it. And sure enough, it is, it's a, it is an actual manufacturer, uh, for, for different weapons. Yep. Yep. And then we have uh, the melee weapons, um, a baton, there's a spiked bat, a katana with what looks like this heated blade on it. It's glowing red. That thing looks awesome. That's another one I want to put on my wall. Yeah. Yeah. Those it's, it's looks awesome. The one thing that I wanted to touch on about this was I noticed in the, uh, in the video, they showed a, a lot, uh, with cyberware and with melee weapons, but with the thermal katana, I was looking at this and it just looked like you were kind of hacking at someone. Um, it didn't feel like it was yeah. quite as fluid as I was, I, I would hope it could be, especially given games like Ghost of Tsushima, where you're third person, you have a really fluid f- style of, of attacking and you advance forward every time you, you hit an attack. This, it feels like you're going to have independent movement and you're going to slash your blade. And however close you are de- depends on, on whether or not you actually hit someone. So really curious to know just how that feels and getting that into my hands. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how that's going to work out as far as like 
having an actual blade or or like the sledgehammer uh, as as you're kind of going with the different melee weapons. Right. Yeah, I think it's the difference between uh, something being tied to a full animation and something being just spammable. Yeah. Um, I think they're going more of the spammable route. You just keep hitting the button and you'll just keep slashing mm-hmm. uh, rather than you, you do some sort of actual maneuver and then, you know, dash forward as you do it. That kind of thing. Yeah. Really but curious. Yeah, hopefully it feels OK. I, you know, I, I don't I don't know that most people are coming to this for the, the samurai, you know, ninja sword action combat specifically. But, you know, hopefully it feels good. Hopefully I, I'm, I'm reserving my judgment on that. I'm probably going to be playing with uh, more like uh, cyberware and tech weapons personally. But I, I would hate to feel that there's a portion of the community who have the melee weapons that feel underserved uh, because of the, right. the way it's designed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, the, <laughs> we, we don't have all the answers yet. No. Uh, then there's the cyberware. And of course they show us the mantis or mantis blades, the arms and um, the gorilla arms where they can pick up things and pull things apart and hold heavy weapons and tear open doors. So that, you know, that's, they've shown that in use a few times in the trailers, but this time they actually showed a close up of the hand with like the, um, the extra components on it that increase the strength of your arm. Yeah. And then, and then the hand missiles, which are basically Iron Man, you know, the missile comes out of the arm, <laughs> you know, the little missile launcher pops up and then the missile shoots out. Um, so cool stuff. Yeah. Really love the, uh, the cyberware is amazing. It's, it's kind of what you go into when you're looking at like cybernetics and you want to have that enhancement. The mantis blades were awesome. Uh, they talked about swappable blade edges um the the gorilla arms they talked about being able to have a, a kinetic energy recovery system so it sounds like this is not just offensive but uh defensive as well and they did talk about some things that you can do to help uh increase your defense with the cyberware um the the mono wire wasn't touched on but we had seen it in a past video where you can kind of uh lasso out uh, a, a cable that then hacks a person uh and and you can kind of like you know take control of their body or disable them using that and the the hand missiles the projectile launch systems with a varied warhead selection i I love this idea it's it's really cool that that you have this functionality built into your body that people might not be anticipating it could totally be you know like an an ace in the sleeve kind of system and just the thing that I that he didn't touch on as much was uh, throwables, which is was seen on the screen, but they they had zero information about. So I'm wondering if there's going to be something that comes down where it's like kunai or ninja stars or uh, grenades, things like that that you can toss out there to uh, to or EMP pulses. Like who knows what they could have for throwables? I'm I'm curious to see how that works. Right or different. Uh- you know, weapon mods, ammo types, uh, scope, silencer, like all that. We didn't get a whole lot of detail about that stuff. Yeah. Some of those things showed up on screen, but we didn't really get a whole lot of, you know, full explanation about what, what all's there for those things either. Yeah. I, I like that they're giving us the, the ability to use things like these, uh, these smart chips that you can put into the gun where it kind of augments the, uh, if you've ever played doom or doom eternal there, they always have like the different types of, uh, 
uh, power-ups that you can have for just like a shotgun, like a charge shot or a, a rapid burst or, you know, have these different abilities with the weapon. And depending on the, the chip that you put into these guns, uh, alters it. And just based on how many guns that we, just how many weapons we saw, the fact that you've got chips to augment each of these different ones, like that's insane. We saw at least five weapons per, per tree, uh, for that. So you've got, uh, cyberware melee, smart power tech. So you're looking at least 25 augments, uh, if not 50 augments for just those five weapons. If you assume that there's at least two chips per weapon, 50 options for each of, for all of the, the, the tools that you have at, at your, in your arsenal. That's insane. That's so much customization that you can put so much stuff. Yeah. And on top of that, who knows? Because legendary guns might have their own personalities and yeah, you know, quirks and who knows? Uh, how that will affect those yeah and lots of stuff um before before we go i know you got to get going the one of the things i did notice that i wanted to throw in here is that there is a screenshot when they're talking about the different corporations of saburo arasaka and i did an episode on arasaka and who saburo is and who his father was and and all of those things by 2077 saburo arasaka is 158 years old yeah did you know did you it's, realize this it's so he, crazy Go ahead. He is still in charge of the company, which I wasn't sure would was officially going to be the case that he would be like alive and in charge of the company or if his brain would be in, in a machine or something like that. But he looks like he's a freaking regular human. I mean, obviously, he has some cybernetic augments. Um, you, you can tell that one of his eyes especially is augmented in the picture, but he looks like he's like 60 years old. So, uh, you know, are, at this point in cyberpunk, are, are they living in a future where somebody as powerful and rich as Saburo Arasaka could indefinitely survive. I feel it's a thing when you have that much power and that much going on with, uh, with, with a company, I think you can, I, I just think that that's a, that's an option for him. You know, it, it's kind of that, that old, uh, Japanese kind of head of house thing, you know, it's like, he's, he's in charge until he's gone. And he's going to do everything he can to stay alive. So if you want to take control of Arasaka, there's only one way to do that. And that's to get rid of Arasaka. And um, yeah, that I, I actually really love the concept of him being like this Darth Vader, you know, this person who just will not die. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what you do. He's going to survive right. everything at any cost. And he's got big brute, big yeah. broody dudes to, to kind of protect him in that aspect. And I'm, I'm totally down. It kind of reminds me of the, uh, the Wolverine movie that we got forever ago. Um, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what yeah, Logan. Yeah. yeah. No, not Logan. even, yeah. not Logan, but the one that they did before that Wolverine, uh, where, the, yeah, the it was Wolverine a, or yes. The, yeah. the one in Japan. Yes. Right? A lot more focused the, on the Wolver- I think it was the Wolverine. The Wolverine. Right? It's there's so many, right. there's so many Wolverine movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, yeah. And, and there's this like, uh, struggle between him and his son uh Irinobi, mm-hmm. how, if that's the best way to pronounce it uh who is now like 80 something years old probably also augmented and alive and <laughs> i'm sure that all all of that ties into the story of things that we're going to learn more about but anyway i was excited from a lore perspective to see an actual screenshot of him and and even the fandom wiki is now updated with the new imagery of um saburo arasaka so Man, uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to cover when we actually get the game and find out more about what's going on there. 
So very cool stuff. Super yeah. excited. Can't wait. I think All it's right. going to be so much fun. Yeah. So thanks for joining me again. Um, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, lots of different ways. Um, I'm part of the Robots Radio Network. So if you are uh, looking to get a hold of me, I'm in the Discord. Um, I have my own Discord for uh, the Sea of Thieves podcast that I do, Keelhauled. But if you want to get in touch with me to talk cyberpunk, uh, I'm on Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. And uh, if you want to hit me up on uh, uh, email, you can always hit me up at C-A-P-T L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. Uh, if you have a story to tell about night city that you want to talk about or if you want to tell me what your lifeline uh or, or your background your backstory if that's going to be what you choose i would love to hear some other life thoughts path. life yeah. path oh <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would love to have some conversations with people about what they're going and why they're going in yeah totally yeah jump in our our discord it's growing every day we get like a dozen new people um we're over a thousand people in our discord now but yeah jump in there shoot a shoot a note in the cyberpunk lorecast channel and we can chat about all that stuff for sure um thank you for joining me again logan uh you guys all know how to get a hold of me check the show notes for links to everything um i'm on twitter you can send me emails discord's a great way to have conversations as well and until next time stay safe in night city and uh be careful with your guns because they seem really powerful (laughs) and we'll talk to you guys later (laughs) see you guys thanks for tuning in to the cyberpunk lorecast this show is a part of the robots radio network smart podcasts for interesting people if you'd like to help support the show please tell a friend and leave a five-star review on itunes If you'd like to get in contact, please send an email to cyberpunklorecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at cyberpunklore. Also, join the community on the Robots Radio Discord. The link is in the show notes. The music on the show was written and performed by The Midnight and was used with their permission. Go check them out at themidnightofficial.com. Until next time, stay safe in Night City. We'll talk to you later.